Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast, and we are on the road in Nashville at baseball's winter meetings, Opryland Resort, Gaylord Opryland Resort, and hotel, something like that. It's close. Uh, we got a full crowd here today, right? We had a busy day, oh, and then right. and then sort of nothing also. Uh, <laughs> Cody Delmendo's here. He's excited. He's been stalking the, the escalator to see if Shohei would show up. So far, it hasn't happened. Don't Ryan, let the facts get in the way of yeah, the Ryan Herrera's <laughs> been working the hallways, hitting all the sources. I've been eating Cinnabon, and we brought in <laughs> the very tall and talented Lance Brozdowski Thanks from Marquee Network. Hey, I haven't tried the Cinnabon on. yet. Is it good? I haven't had Cinnabon in so Even, long. Neither did so, I. Big I mean, Wetzel's pretzels guy. You know, sometimes you grab that. Oh, are you, you're shaking your head. Okay. No, well, no. I'll leave now. Let me, <laughs> let me just tell you. <laughs> Come on. Those pretzels smell amazing. The best thing that has happened today is Cinnabon. That's fair. That is without question. Yeah, and you went without telling me. I was still kind of upset about that. I wanted a Cinnabon. Well, I'll get you one tomorrow. All right, cool. Uh, so, and we shouldn't <laughs> say nothing happened today because the Tigers did give their manager an extension. Other than that, nothing happened today. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cub for life, Wade Miley. Okay, sir. Yeah. Also, a so, huge move. <laughs> I was on the, the edge of, you know, my seat waiting for that one. Waiting for Wade Miley's decision? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the biggest they, they decision should, of the week. We should have done it like LeBron in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> when we loaded up the airplane at 6 a.m., we were like, oh, Wade Miley. Or oh. Hinch extension. Yes. Uh, no, we were all waiting to see if Shohei Otani would make up his mind. <laughs> and nobody seems to know. We, we tried to ask everybody we could find, including Lance, which I want to get to his take on that in a second. <laughs> uh, Bob Nightingale told us he thinks, you know, he's not saying this is happening, but he, he thinks he'll probably end up with the Dodgers. Ken Rosenthal gave us the, I have no idea. I really don't. Uh, John Rossi says they're still in on it, right? Mm -hmm. And Lance, <laughs> the most important. I mean, you caught me off guard. So I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in the business of entertainment. Yeah, that's right. And if Shohei Otani actually wants to win, Chicago's a great destination. But yes. the Orioles are another fantastic destination, right? Hey. That team has incredible talent. They're not spending basically any money on payroll. So you get Otani, you could maybe Otani can convince Angelos finally to spend money in another direction, you know? And he's never going to give up a home run to left field. And he could hit 45 tanks out of right. It's like, that's ah. a dream, man. You're trying to win. Go to that team. But right? if I'm counter-selling that to Shohei's people, I say, you're in a much tougher division. That's fair. That is a fair you point. The the one, that's, the, that's the problem with my take. But I had to keep No, it's a good, it's a good take. Come on. We don't like it on the Cubs podcast <laughs> I know, right I know, now necessarily. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, I think they're, all, they're all valid points, right? The Dodgers seem like the, the front runner. No idea is a valid answer. Cubs still in on it. And then Buster Olney says, well, what about going back to the Angels? He had a player say to him, well, you know. It's like a player agent. Yeah, yeah. He, he really like, he's devoted to his routine and that that would be the best. He would get the most autonomy at going back to the Angels. I'll just be shocked. I will, I'll be shocked if he goes back to the Angels. Negative ten percent chance he goes back to the Angles. Angels. That's I, I negative just, ten. Negative ten. There you go. Yeah. I'll I'll Venmo. <laughs> I'll Venmo when he like a hundred dollars if he goes to the Angels. <laughs> that is not happening. No, I, I no mean, chance. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm with that because he's. I don't think that like I'm not saying that he didn't enjoy his time in Los Angeles, but he was there for six years. Yeah. He didn't win anything, and I think from what we've heard. Like winning is more of a priority. Like obviously he would have wanted to win last time around too, but right. like six years without winning anything. I think winning is a priority for him. And I mean, there's a 
team not too far away that is in much better position to win than uh, the Angels are right yeah. now. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I can't see a reunion happening between those two sides. If they do, I'll match Lance's $100. <laughs> oh my well, it would be, it personally, just be bad for baseball, too. Like, I'm sorry. You had Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the lineup for not just one or two years, like literally a half a decade, and you can't make the playoffs. Like, just terrible for the game. Plus, you're playing on the West Coast whenever, and you're playing at 9 p.m. when most people are in bed. I, I'm just – I want I, – as much as I want them on the Cubs, I also want them to be on a team that's contending. That way people can see yeah. the talent that this guy is. Like, I have never been more – astonished by a talent of Shohei Otani and that is why I want him on the Cubs so so bad but if I if I can't have him he can go anywhere not name the St. Louis Cardinals and I'd probably be okay with it (laughs) I mean you know I don't I don't want to say this is total BS the winter meetings but there is a lot of BS that floats around the hallways it's in and some of it's not intentional (laughs) some of it is floated by different in from different directions you don't know what's real what's not real and then I start doing my own conspiracy theories, right? Yeah. Jed's not here. Mm. Where's Jed? Where's Jed? Mm. Oh, Carter talked today. Day one. Okay. And then somebody says, well, and the Blue Jays GM's not here either. Well, those are two names I've heard that are supposed to be in on this. And then you start, who else isn't here? (laughs) The Dodgers people aren't staying at this hotel. What? What? It gets a little ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. But at one point, Cody and I thought we saw Shohei at the Cinnabon. I can't confirm it, <laughs> but that's why we ended up there. It Matt. does seem like the the number one place to go at this resort yeah. at this point. We have a it talked is. about it so it much. Is. We have a super chat uh, on YouTube, 172 watching, by the way. Shout out to y'all for joining us late tonight. Um, Matty Ice, $98.99. He's asking, where is Jed? And I... <laughs> Listen, I don't know, but hey, you that, know that answer is worth more than a dollar ninety-nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tinfoil hat theory. I'm just assuming he's somewhere on the West Coast right now. That's that's all oh, I, I can assume. Know. But I, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? But we we believe he'll be here tomorrow or Thursday. That's that's my assumption that he'll 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 be yeah. here. He'll be here. Yeah. Lance, do you think that it's possible that the Otani timeline will delay everything else? Yeah, I think there's a chance of that, especially on some of these teams that are in it or seem to clearly be in it. So I, I could see that totally. You know, I still don't maybe totally buy that it's holding up like the Rays from trading glass now. Like, I don't know why that mm. would tie that up. Like, if you make that move as a team that wants Otani, like, isn't Otani like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it yeah. from my guy for sure, you know? So I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I could see it. I mean, one domino falls, they all fall. I yeah. guess I guess that makes sense. Well, I also don't think it's just Otani, right? Like, there's Yamamoto out there. That's yeah, another yeah. domino that will fall, and and maybe maybe Glass now is more tied to Yamamoto than than Otani, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. that's a great point. I, I think there are obviously top of the line guys that are or that do have a lot of suitors, and those are like I don't think it's just one guy, but I think there are multiple guys that are, that are holding up this. Um, market from really going just you know obviously um, Yamamoto still has about a month uh, during the posting window to sign with the team so he's got time Otani mm-hmm. who knows like they were talking about him wanting to do it suit or quicker but now we're hearing reports that it may not be coming this week at all so like, I'm with you like Otani's definitely holding up part of the market but I do think there's other guys that you know like if someone wanted to, if Cody Bellinger wanted to sign right now he could I think yeah but yeah. 
I think he also wants to wait on Otani. So, so I think it, it is like a domino and a, and a downhill effect that there are there are guys that are holding up the, the, the high end guys are holding up the market. Just I think they're all kind of trying to feel things out. Mm-hmm. You mentioned two guys that I want to get to because listen, Otani hasn't happened at this point. We'll talk about it the entire time we're here because that's what everybody's talking about while we're here. But Glass now is a guy who's got a year left, I think, at $25 million. Bruce Levine over on Marquee has, has been talking about, I think that's going to get done with the Cubs. I think it's going to get done. You're a guy who sees all of these pitchers. You see all of the prospects the Cubs have. So the one thing that concerns Cubs fans all the time is giving up yeah. the wrong guys. You I know, that's, that. that's the trick with the trades. Mm-hmm. So, what do you see on the farm when you see the amount of talent that the Cubs would have to give up to to get a guy for it's it's a one year rental? Yeah, yeah. The tough thing here is that the Rays organization is so good at yeah. improving players that I almost feel like if you're Jed, you're like, I just don't want to give them anybody. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they've done it so consistently. Like Isaac Paredes is a great example. Just getting him to pull the ball more. I mean, any guy who, like Robert Stevenson goes there for three months and gets is now probably going to get 10 plus million dollars a year. If, if he didn't go there and stay with Pittsburgh, he's probably like a, I don't know, like a four to five million dollar believer that no one really cares about. And it's like they do this so consistently that I think you have to almost accept the chance of one of the Cubs prospects going there and just getting better very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. through an adjustment. And that's not a detriment to the Cubs organization at all. I just think that's what the Rays do. They identify yeah. guys that they see an adjustment in and they acquire them. I don't even really know names. I haven't really tried to even talk to people about it. I, I am curious, though, on a guy like James Triantos. He's one that was in the AFL and hit really well. I thought he matched up better, though, in like a, a Guardian situation, though. They are just obsessed with like high contact mm-hmm. middle infield types. And Triantos, I thought, lined up well. I was I, In my head, I was like, okay, like I don't think Triantos for Bieber makes sense, but like that structure is like Cubs getting frontline starter for contact-oriented guy that we know the org really likes. Just they love those contact-oriented guys. I was like, well, okay, that could maybe be interesting. But I don't know if the Rays see anything in a guy like Toronto's where they're like, yes, we could get him to do what I, I would, as he previously yeah. did and be a guy that now other teams really want. So it's tough to see what the Rays would want, but I bet it's multiple pieces if yeah. I had to guess. One name I threw, I threw out there, um, last week, I want to say it was it was was, was, yeah. was Nesky. Hayden yeah, Wisniewski. I've heard that name too. And I think the way I looked at it was, yes, Hayden, like the raw stuff is there, and it feels like a guy that the Rays will figure out and, yeah. and get him to that level that they want him to be at. But the way I, the the reasoning behind why I think that's okay is, yes, Tyler Glasnow has some injury risk, so it is a risk to give up was Nesky form and whatever else you might have to. But I also look at it is you got Hayden was for Scott F Ross, which yeah. is the guy that the Cubs developed through and through and made him into a, uh, a high caliber reliever that the Yankees wanted. Right. So I, I think it, it sure it might sting if was gets to a level that the Cubs weren't able to get him to. We also have to think is like, there's no reason why you can't do another set of deals that way again. There's no, there's no reason that you can't develop another Scott Efros who can get you another Hayden Wisniewski. I think so. If the Cubs are looking at it that way, yes, again, it, it may sting if Hayden Wisniewski gets to a certain level with the Rays and, and what they do with their pitchers. But you also have to believe with that type of pitching infrastructure that the Cubs, you know, are supposedly have now that they will be able to, yeah, kind of get those those, those dominoes in place again. Yeah, the pitch live, and and don't forget your. You're taking 25 million off their payroll too. Mm-hmm. If you, if you take him on, like you're helping that team out 
in the way they really want the help, which is financially. So <clears throat> the price for a one year and taking the 25 million back is slightly less. But I agree that if if Wisniewski were part of a glass now deal, I would get butterflies about how it would turn out in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wesneski, he shows flashes of, you know, elite stuff. We saw it when he first made his debut, even saw it last year in a year where I think fans are down on him going into next year, but because there was still some, a lot of down moments, but he's so young and has, you know, some raw stuff. Like it's like, I'm not some pitching guru and I know that like, it's, he would be a tough guy to see go, but at the same time, Cubs have a lot of depth. And a lot of pitching depth as well. And that, for me, that's why I'm, you know, for me, it's it's easier for me to say goodbye to someone like him, uh, you know, with, you know, other guys on the rise that, you know, theoretically seem like they could be better. The good news is we do have a pitching guru here. <laughs> we we do have one. And he was just telling me how pitchers throw airplanes and stuff. I didn't really understand. He was the whole like thing, talking about planes it, flying it and was, how that's related it to was, pitching something. Yeah, talking know. to Brendan, there's pressure on the plane and it underneath is, there's a ball and all of a sudden it's a strike. You know, was, a, what did I say before us? I said we need to take a uh, Lance breaking down someone and then taking Brendan breaking down someone yeah. and put them side by side yeah. and see Friends are great. If we if we can if we can understand any of it, I would. I definitely would not <laughs> take but, out like bits and pieces that make that make sense and try yeah. to put them together. So, oh my gosh. So what 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 could Wisniewski best fix this off if he stays here with the Cubs? What's what's one thing that he could really fix that would greatly alter his path towards stardom if that's going to be his future yeah what i'll do is i'll speculate on what the rays would do if they got him okay. i think what they would do is up cutter usage that feels like the most obvious and i think it's something that other people have talked about as well that pitch grades out relatively well on like a stuff plus scale which is just trying to distill down what the quality of a given pitch is despite command or anything of that sort he's really good versus righties even when he hasn't been good like most of the time That's the true. splits work versus righties because the slider is so nasty but mm. it makes a lot of sense to just up cutter usage to some extent as to why the cubs didn't do that not entirely sure um there could be a variety of reasons like i think that most of the time on the public side, we like think something's obvious. Like this guy just needs to throw this pitch more. And it's like, there's probably multiple variables in there that mm-hmm. are much, you know, resistant to actually executing that idea. But if I had to guess like what the mix looks like, if he goes to the raise, it's more slider, less forcing, more cutter. And they just really lean on breaking ball. And they go to what they do with every pitcher and just a very, very central target. Like you watch like Tyler Glass now pitch, like pull up baseball savant, any, or even just go to YouTube and type in Tyler Glass now highlights from last year, the year before. And, watch where the catcher is the entire time and then watch the pitches off that it's like the same target it's fastball same target it's slider it's just that central target with stuff allows guys to minimize the risk of you know or maximize excuse me the ability to put the ball generally in the zone when you have good stuff and that i think is what they would just do with wisniewski just that slider is really good you're throwing at 50 percent plus over the plate the cutter is really good too well maybe just the shape or orientation and start throwing that to lefties the next thing he's probably better than he is right now but again it's very easy for me to say i imagine this is something that the cubs internally thought about i have a hot take that i've always i'm starting to develop where whenever a guy goes to another organization and makes a change that everyone goes oh my god he made that change we should have done that i think in the prior org there was always a thought of that exact change that the guy executed just never got to the player at the field level. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a limitation of an organization. I'm not saying it is of the cup specifically, but I think that stands true for like any situation. Like I was talking to someone the other day about glass now, you know what I mean? Going from the pirates and 
I talked to an individual in the Pirates org and he was like, yeah, we wanted to do exactly what the Rays did. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. <laughs> it's not too surprising. I mean, like if I, if we could do it, nerd out, like Brendan and I and figure it out, maybe like a theory as to why. And yeah. it's the teams are thinking the same thing. It's just, it's always like Farhan today on MLB network said like analytics, like the advantage is when the analytics get to the player on the field. And I, I think that's, very very true you know like you could have all, all the intelligence in the world in a front office but if it's not getting down the field then you know it's not a, an advantage for the organization i think the cubs do a pretty good job of it but for wisniewski specifically i'm not sure but i would bet more cutter for sure so it's got to translate we all know that the cubs if stroman is not resigning which seems very you know likely uh that they're, they need some frontline pitching to go with Justin Steele. They need more pitching, right? So that's why the Glass Now name comes up. That's why we've heard that they're in on Yamamoto, or at least kicking the tires on that. Uh, Jim Bowden was saying that started at 200, not with the Cubs necessarily, but that like the number he was talking about was 200 to 220. Then it went up to 250. Now you're sitting here and say, well, that he could get up to 300. What's so special about this guy? Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's really good. Uh, it's funny because I feel like in the media we've been very positive on him, and then I poked around a couple of words and some pitching analysts, and a lot of them like kind of hesitated, which surprised me a little, just because I think that everyone's a little hesitant when they see that huge dollar figure as to how immediately that guy will translate. So my opinion, I did a YouTube video about this, was just that I thought that there was a chance that there's like an adjustment period in that first year, and that the contract value is going so high because he's so young. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this stuff's really good. I think it's more pitchability than pure stuff. Like he's a guy who's hovering around like a nine K per nine and uh, MPB. I bet he's sub nine K per nine here, but I don't think that limits his ability to have really nice upside. Just think, you think like a Stroman, like Stroman didn't strike out a lot of guys. Stroman had some up and downs years. When you put balls in play, you're relinquishing a lot of what you control as a pitcher. And I think Yamamoto right in, might run into a bit of that, but I love the diversity of the mix. It's a lot of pitches. I also think he does some cool stuff with his four seam going like away from righties and then up and in like separately to the point where it almost becomes multiple pitches. So he's a guy that like is from a game planning perspective, I think it's a little difficult to like figure out. Cause it's like, okay, it's not just four up. It's like four away up. And it's like, Oh, then there's also some sinker that I think he might throw more of if he comes over here, he wasn't throwing a sweeper a ton like that might come into the mix. Next thing you know, you're like prepping for five pitches and it's like, Oh my God, like he's covering the whole play. And I think there's some merit to that, even if it's not totally proven out in the analytics. I mean, have we seen a, um, you know, pitcher coming over from Japan or where, wherever it is coming over from um, who matches up to what like, Yamamoto could bring? Like whether that's the pitches, whether mm-hmm. that's the age, whether that's, you know, whatever it is. Like, have we seen, is there any prior case that we can look at that be like, okay, this could be a comparison to what Yamamoto could bring. I think he's more Tanaka than anything. I don't think he's a Darvish-style guy. I don't think he's a Senga-style guy. Senga's split is, like, just nutty in terms of the results he's getting on and how much he's able to keep that out of the zone and have it still be successful. I see Yamamoto a bit more like Tanaka, where it's, like, it's command, it's pitchability, it works. You know, some up and down in years, but the net result was really, really positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hesitate a little on the first year. Like, some of these guys come over and don't immediately perform at crazy high levels. So, for me, it's a, it's a multi-year contract. It's like you bring him in the org, and you hope maybe by the time he's 27 and it's all locked and he's like a five, six pitch guy and he's just dominating. Yeah. And I mean, that's not like unreasonable to think that yeah. like he may not perform like what they want, what, what people would want him like at the high end. Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation to think that he may not perform well the first year and it may look like it's not. A I also might look like a complete you know? idiot. Who knows? No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, like there's a chance that all I was going to say is we're sitting here saying 
it's a reasonable thing to expect that he might need a little time to transition. And I'm going to say that Cubs fans sitting in the bleachers tossing back their beers are going to say, we gave this guy $300 million <laughs> and he's got more losses than he does wins. That's going to happen if that's what oh, happens. Yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. There will be... I'm, and it that's might what, be on our podcast. That's that's <laughs> what comes with those size, those kinds of contracts. It's yeah. just this, the fact of the matter. And in some ways, I feel bad, but in other ways, like, well, I don't have millions of dollars, so <laughs> you know, I I get the the fan frustration when guys don't necessarily perform right away. But for a guy, for guys coming out of you know from overseas in Japan, like I do lean a little bit more. I'm a little bit more lenient because it is a new country a new lifestyle of living and we saw that with say suzuki and i feel like cubs fans if they were to sign yamamoto should have the same type of you know expectations in terms of you don't expect him to be your Cy young in year one but hope that more starts are better than that (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i know that as a fan not knowing what the organization really wants to spend this offseason one way you could improve this team would be with letting the young guys play it out. Now that that comes with its own set of problems sometimes. So some might say, well, why go spend the money on Yamamoto? You sure you need a frontline guy, but you might have him somewhere in Wicks, Horton, Ben Brown. Of these young players that are coming up, either have come up or on their way up, who really catches your eye? It's Kate Horton. That's a very easy answer. Yeah, yeah he's he's a beast. I think he's going to be very good. I think there's a clear comp, too, that I haven't really heard too much, and I've been pounding it. It's Tanner Bybee from the Guardians. Mm-hmm. The mix is, like, identical. Like, it's it's like kind of a cut-ride fastball. It's a very similar slot. It's over the top, which I think is weird. Usually over the top, you think, like, tumbling curve. He's able to create sweep. He's working on a changeup. Bybee's had a really good changeup. I think that's probably the one difference where I would take Bybee over Horton right now. But, I mean... I think there's a if they don't acquire like a crazy frontline guy like a Glassner or Yamamoto and they kind of stay where they are and maybe add like someone in that Gibson tier that the mm-hmm. Cardinals added, like I think it's because maybe they have even more confidence in Kate Horton than maybe the public does. I know anyone who follows Cubs prospects and there's yeah, a lot, yeah. lot of really good accounts is like super in on Kate. He's he's like a top two, three pitching props like in all of baseball. And I don't know if like we realize that, but he's nasty. Yeah, what did really did Greg Huss say? Like six starts? Six like starts. In, was Greg, Hart, in Greg Huss's like, prediction. Six, yeah. six, six starts, starts and call? Yeah, I'd love that. I mean, yeah. I, you have to, like, when, when an org makes a move or doesn't make a move, I think that often sends signals in certain directions. So if the Cubs, like, don't add pitching, like, they think Bren, Ben Brown's healthy, and they think Kate Horton is going to be, like, as impactful as Tanner Bobby was. He's third in mm-hmm. rookie of the year voting, I believe, or maybe he was second off the top of my head. I don't remember. But, yeah, if they could have that, it's you don't really need to sign anybody. I think you should sign somebody. Sure. I like Glassnose. Yeah. Even with the injury risk, I think Glassnose is perfect. Because like even if he only gives you 120 to 140, he's going to be incentivized to throw more than that because he's hitting free agency. Like You have some depth in rotation. You know, Assad, Hendricks, like, these guys are all going to throw probably around 100 plus innings. So it's like, if I only get 120 to 140 of good innings out of Tyler Glassnose, which he's given every single time he's been out there, it's just the problem of being out there for 180 plus. Like That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like Glassnow to Horton is fantastic. Give me 120 from Glassnow and 80 from Horton. There's a 200 inning pitcher, and it's going to be above only average in terms of performance. Yeah, as Jed always says, like you can never have enough pitching. I think that's very true. I think when you when you look at even this past season, the Cubs, you know, we all kind of went into it as like, oh, they have the starting pitching depth, like that, and it kind of showed for a while they didn't, or, or just the depth and the, the the pitching staff yeah. in general, like the depth was not there, so you can never have 
you can never have too much pitching. That's what Jed says. It's cliche, but it's very true that um, if you have the ability to go out and add good pitching, good innings, I think I'm with you. I think you should. I, I absolutely think you should um, because you never really know what's going to happen over a 162-game se- uh, season. If you had to guess, who's the Cubs' closer before we go? Who's the Cubs' closer this season? I, I, I guess I'll go back to Azalei. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see like a Josh Hader on this team. I, I, I think it fits really well. Like I know he's a guy that the Phillies have been interested. In, I think I've heard, and I, I love him. I just think he's a really unique arm. Cubs don't have a ton of left-handed bullpen pieces that have mm-hmm. been impactful. Um, Hader makes a lot of sense, and Council guy too. You know, like yeah. I don't know what that relationship was mm-hmm. like, but I could totally see that working. I'd love to see Hader. I mean, why not? Yeah, I think one of the things we talked about last time was that just the price. Yeah, and what they're throwing mm-hmm. out there just doesn't generally jive with what like we've i feel like we've seen from like jed and his bullpen building you know but it's not my money well my thinking is and just based off you know how how we've seen the cubs spin yeah uh i feel like if they were to give hater that you know what mlb trade rumors and fan graphs projects i feel like they're not gonna spend enough money on fixing what honestly was a big part of what happened in september and that was the offense you know really not just being consistent enough in my, in my opinion. So that's why it's, it's never been that I didn't think Josh Hader was a good closer. It's yeah, always yeah. been about how they can spend the money intelligently. Like Jed Hoyer always says. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Now real quick before you go, of course, how's the airplane thing work again? Do you <laughs> actually want to explain this right now? Yeah, yeah, just, I, just, I, real fast. Give us 30 wanna, seconds, yeah. an airplane, the air, right, right. the, the wing. So I've been, I've been working on, so there's a concept in baseball that all front offices are thinking about called seam shifted wake, right? Essentially, you always think of a ball moving in a certain way, and you think of it because you're, you know, forcing, you're pulling down the seams that rotates the ball, creates a force, the ball kind of rises relative to gravity, you know? And now we've kind of discovered that there's other ways that ball could move, and seam shifted wake is one of them. You call it seam effects, whatever you want. The analogy that I'm playing around with that I heard from someone is, a plane, right? One part of the plane, or wing wing of a plane is flat, the bottom, and then the top is curved, right? So <laughs> there's a difference in how long it takes the air to go over something that's flat relative to something that's curved. And because of that difference, you get a pressure differential and the plane lifts, right? So the, the longer side, the opposite of the longer side has more lift, so to speak. You think of the same way on a baseball. A baseball has seams. It's not, it's not a cue yeah. ball, so to yeah, speak, yeah. right? So the air around a seam is going to take longer than just going over the leather of the ball. So if you could orient that seam in a certain way, you could get a pressure differential that then moves the ball in a certain direction. And optimizing that, optimizing the orientation to get unique movement is what seam shifted away gets. Lance has been trying to teach me seam shifted away. <laughs> I'm, I'm for, coming up every year. I'm going to have a new analogy I, for you. I think it'd be 21, 21 months now. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, 20, I think it's just about that. I still don't get it. I still don't get it, but I appreciate, I'm trying. I'm I appreciate trying. the attempts every time you try. I feel like if we could get Lance and Brendan in one room. Yeah, I've never met him, actually. Well, we so could, oh, we could just tell Na- we could tell NASA to take the rest of the year off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take, take, Start the space show. Thank yeah. you so much yeah, for coming absolutely. on. I really Thanks appreciate again, it. Guys, appreciate you. Lance, uh, take care, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, for coming on today, Lance, uh, we're going to send you some free carpet. No, I, I oh, lied. Okay. Uh, with Empire Today, you <laughs> get a shop-at-home convenience. Uh, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low-price guarantee. Let's not forget, they keep it simple when you're looking for new flooring, and they have this process where they get rid of all of the junk samples that you don't want to see, right, that you shouldn't even check into. 
They get rid of all that stuff, and then they give you just the best stuff, and then they give you the virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. Um, shopping for floors at the big box store can be frustrating because sometimes you're talking to a guy who was working in plumbing yesterday. He was showing Kohler toilets to somebody. Now he's trying to show, sell you the carpet for your living room. Well, that's insane. So you don't want to do that. And this is Empire. All they do is flooring. So they know what they're talking about. And they service their own warranties, too. If there is an issue, just call Empire. They service their own warranty. You don't have to track down the manufacturer's phone number at all. So schedule a free home in estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. Luke, we got to tell you about Midtown Athletic Club. I know. I heard you guys it's went. It's only the greatest place on yeah. earth mm-hmm. if I keep Wrigley Field out of the, the thought process. We we went, <laughs> was it last week we went? We went last yeah. week. And we fell in love. Yeah. Midtown yeah. Athletic Club is amazing. The towels. Not, I that's mean, that's really nice like the start towel, of it. Yeah. And it gets towels, better and better. Yeah. And I think it's better and better and better. Um, so, yeah, Midtown Athletic Club. Midtown's four Chicagoland locations are in Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the north shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and the Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park, which is where we went and had a ton of fun. Uh, Midtown Palatine actually has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of the year. There's something at the clubs for everyone. If you're single, like Cody and I, if you got a family with kids like you or some of our other friends at mm-hmm. CHGO, um, if you're people looking to make lifestyle changes, you're looking for holistic wellness, or you just want to play basketball every single day, sit um, in the hot tub, or just sauna. sit in the hot tub, wherever, uh, it's got something for you. Mid, like Midtown is Midtown Chicago is like the nicest fitness club I've ever been to. Absolutely. I think Cody can attest. Like I've never seen anything like it. Six six stories. There's like two stories of uh, weights, and there was a boxing studio yeah. with a little sparring ring. They the forty fives are made out of solid gold. Yeah, might as well be. Might as well be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it has cool club features, super luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas and premium amenities, amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs, a collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week included in the membership, which that that pays for itself right there. And this isn't those aren't just gym quality fitness spaces. The spaces are boutique quality. It's also got the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoors and outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddle tennis. Uh, DA professional quality all the way. So head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. Got to tell you, I want to go back. I want to go back. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I I need to go back. Uh, You know, my favorite part is for sure the basketball courts. That's me, we played a little three on three mm-hmm. when we were there. Um, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, the, the only place that could have kept me from coming here for the winter meetings would have been Midtown Athletic Club. Yeah, they said absolutely. you can just hang out here yeah, for the rest yeah. of the night. Big of us to come do our jobs <laughs> instead of go to Midtown Athletic Club. Uh, can we read some chats? Because we, we haven't read a lot of chats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to point out, um, shout out to Steven because we did have some technical difficulties with the with the video earlier. And everyone in the chat was letting us know. And so I appreciate everyone for helping us with that. Um, I will say it looks really good right now. Yeah, we look incredible now, thanks yeah. to Steven. Yeah, I mean, now our great guest it's is just, gone, but yeah, you know, the Wi Fi. It was just for like a few minutes, so it's not a big deal. But uh, 
I saw one chat in here. I, it was from, I can't remember who it was from. I'll keep looking for it, but. Is uh, it Barb saying that you walk around Midtown Athletic Club with your shirt off and saying you're bigger than, like she said, you're bigger than Arnold is what you say. I mean, it's a very nice compliment of her, but I don't do that. I just want to confirm that I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what chat. I'm not sure what chat you're talking about. Coach, yeah. But, um, yeah. Oh, it's, um, it was from Godfather, Godfather, uh, Michael Collada. He asked in the chat earlier, where's council. And I didn't ever have a chance to say, but I believe he's talking tomorrow. Council yeah. will talk tomorrow, day two of the winter meeting. So we will have, um, some updates from correct council. We did get some stuff from Carter Hawkins today uh, about different subjects. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, uh, I don't know if we're going to hear some of it, but we're going to definitely talk about it by, what a great job he does, Lance Prozdowski on, yeah. on Marquee, right? Like That's he offers right. something different. And although I made fun of the airplane thing, like what he says actually <laughs> makes sense, even yeah. to you know a village idiot like me. Mm-hmm. I can I can listen to it and say, well, you, it's it's kind of like how you know Brendan is our pitch yeah. doctor, right? Like mm-hmm. they can just find a way to describe how pitches do what they do and how guys have success. And it's more than just, you know, oh, their earn run average right. over 30 starts last year. You know, he had a 2.50 and that's why he was good. It's like, well, there's there's a path to how you got you get to that be that successful. And, you know, it, and, and I think a lot of today in baseball with analytics and everything, it is especially with pitching. It, it is like a science. So it is, you know, as much as I don't really understand a lot of it, it is very insightful and it does in a way help you find out or learn on how guys have success and makes you appreciate them a little bit more, I believe. Yeah, you can check out his videos on YouTube. You can catch him on Marquee Network and uh, good stuff. So we appreciate having him on today. Um, Okay, so Carter Hawkins talks. The big news was that it wasn't Jed Hoyer first. Not that there's any difference between who talks or whatever, but because conspiracy theories that was the first thing that popped in my mind jed's busy doing something he's probably inking shohei so carter finally talked to you guys and uh one of the things was brought up was pca yes and uh you know pca obviously made his major league debut had about a month in the major leagues maybe a little bit less um mixed results not exactly what he would have wanted not exactly what you know fans would have wanted um, so there's, you know, they, the question was asked kind of like, are you like basically the outlook on center field? Are you going to try to upgrade in center field? Are you going to run with PCA, um, right from the start of the season? Like how, how the Cubs front office is, um, approaching that right now during the winter at the start of winter meetings. And I think Carter Hawkins was diplomatic in that he didn't guarantee Peter Armstrong, a, opening day roster spot. Like he, he said it would be disingenuous to, to say right now that um, Peter Armstrong is the opening day center fielder. Um, but also saying that like the, this, this is a really important off season for Peter Armstrong to prove that he can be that, um, you know, opening day center fielder. So, um, you know, what Carter Hawkins said was that like, obviously they see PCA as like a big part of their long-term future. Um, they definitely think he could be the opening day center fielder, uh, depending on what he's able to show this off season. And then obviously when spring training comes, um, but that they're not going into next season, just a straight up assuming that he's going to be um, 
the starting center fielder. So there, I think there is potential for if they don't see what they want to see, it could be an area they address, whether that's Cody Bellinger, right? I was going to say, yeah, yeah. we don't know what Cody, Cody Bellinger is thinking right now. Yeah. So whether that's, so you're not going to pigeonhole yourself and be like, no, we got our center yeah, field. Exactly. So like wh- whoever that could be or, or whatever that decision is, um, it's not finalized. It's not absolute at this point. Um, a lot of it does depend on what Beaker Armstrong does this winter. Um, but there's also part of it that relies on like what, what the market presents for the Cubs. Yeah. It seems fair. My, my take on center field at this point, since we don't know where, what direction the Cubs are headed as far as who they're signing and Bellinger being up in the air and everything. If you just look at the roster right now, I feel good starting the season with a platoon of Mike Tockman and Alexander Canario. Now I, I know that's not popular and I'm not even saying that that's what I want, but depending on who they sign, say, say, say Otani ends up being that guy or say they get Yamamoto and, you know, we just talked about how much of a price tag he's going to be, you know, right? Like I'm based off, you know, the 20 at bats we saw from PCA last season. Again, this doesn't mean that I am out on him at all, but obviously he was overmatched in, in, in a handful of at bats. I would like to see him, you know, maybe he, unless he really shows out in spring training, I wouldn't be upset if he played the first month in, in Iowa. And I'd be I'd be okay with Mike Tockman and Alexander Canario getting it getting some center field time. Now, again, I don't know if they want to play Alexander Canario in center field, but they did play him there in September last year, like one or two games. And obviously, Tockman played there a ton. So it's not fancy, it's not sexy, it's you know it doesn't show that you're trying. Like at this point, it doesn't show that you're trying to win a World Series. But based off what they have right now, I don't think center field is some glaring hole. Obviously I want PCA to be that guy in center field one day, but I think despite the fact that he only had 20 bats and I'm not reading into it too much, you also can say that it's true that he did look overmatched and uh, plenty of, and and a handful of those 20 at bats that he had. So uh, unless again, unless he has some insane spring training, I'm, I'm I'm at the point where I would be okay if he started the year in Iowa. Listen, last year was all about the last offseason was all about the defense up the middle, right? It was yep. Dansby, it was Nico moving over, it was adding Bellinger in center field. That did work to a degree. It, it did help Cubs pitching, but it's not the biggest problem this offseason. The same problem they had last offseason is still one of the biggest problems they have this offseason, figuring out first base and third base or at least one of them this offseason. And so that's why I agree that if it's not PCA or it's not Bellinger in center field to start this season, depending on what else they did, I could still live with that because I think those other spots are a bigger problem. Now, another thing that was talked about uh, with Carter Hawkins was Christopher Morrell. And he really basically, correct me if I'm wrong, said what we've been hearing for a couple of weeks that he is getting work at first base and third base, but he's only playing in games in Dominican at third base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's something we tried to explain, you know, last time that the Cubs, it's not like a Cubs minor league team where they call right. the shots. Like it, it, it is the Dominican winter league. Like they're, it's a competitive league. They're trying to win. Um, and obviously Christopher Morrell doesn't have a ton of experience playing first base. So it, it would make sense that they, 
wouldn't be starting him at first base every game. What Carter Hawkins did say, um, you know, was that Morel is doing a lot of pregame work at first base. He's getting reps, may not be game reps, um, but he is getting a lot of um, pregame work in. They did send some coaches down there to work with him. Um, but again, they don't have control over the lineup. So they're trying to get him as much work as they can at that position while not obviously hurting that uh the, the I forgot the name of the team but with without hurting his team's chances at at winning that league this winter um but he also said that like you know morale getting work at third base isn't a bad thing right like it's like that that's the spot that we keep talking about like it would be a great spot for him to be at if he could kind of be more consistent um overall defensively like that would be a hole on this team that could absolutely be filled by a guy like Morrell. So to just have him playing third base all winter and getting reps there wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to try to accomplish that. Right. So um, yeah, like Jed had said at the GM meetings that they wanted to get him some work at first base. You know, I people freaked out the first game that he wasn't, he wasn't playing first base, but I think it's always been like a, we want to get him work at first base, but we don't own, that Dominican winter league team, we can't force them to play him at first base. They can suggest it. They can say like, Hey, is, is there, is there a possibility? But it all comes down to what, what that team would like to do. And clearly they're not comfortable playing Morel at first base right now. So it, it, it's limited to pregame work, but, but that combined with game reps at third base um, is definitely not a negative for him. It's a, it's a easy situation to see the Cubs have a need at those two positions He's an athletic kid who has room to grow. If yeah. you can find a spot for him at one of those two spots, you'd much rather play him at third or first than you would just sticking his athletic ability at DH. Yes. Now, DH could be the ultimate spot. That might be where he ends up playing, or he might end up with another team. But the preferred path for the Cubs is just what our preferred path is. Teach him to play first or third. And he should be athletic enough to hopefully find a home at one of those two spots. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about Reese Hoskins in, in recent w- weeks, and people have been mentioning his name in the chat. And let's just be honest, like, for his career, he's not a very good defensive player mm-hmm. at first base. So if the Cubs sign Reese Hoskins, like, I'd rather him just be your DH, <laughs> and then you can roll with Christopher Morrell at third or first, if it's at first and you're and you and you made the offense better and you're a, you can afford to, I guess play magical at third or maybe they maybe they sign so I don't know. Again, they haven't done anything yet. I don't and we no know they're really all has. over these rumors. <laughs> I can't tell you what what's the right or wrong move. All I'm saying is is that ideally, if Christopher Morell is on this roster opening day and so, and they and they still and they and they sign Reese Hoskins and they make the offense better. I think you you feel pretty good with Christopher Morel, you know, perhaps playing one of those two positions at first or third base, um, or at least you're you're open to seeing it just because he's so young and athletic, and you know, a lot of people don't want to trade him. I I only am willing to even consider trading him if you're getting a a superstar caliber player like Juan Soto. All right, mm-hmm. like. And I don't know what's going to happen with that at this point. The Cubs have been kind of quiet in those rumors of late. I know things can change quickly, especially if Otani signs tomorrow with the Dodgers or whatever, right? So I, I don't know. I have yeah. no idea what's happening, but 
I do like to see that he's, you know, playing those corner infield positions, you know, in, in, in the Dominican right now, and it, it's only helping his game. Uh, so. Yeah. And it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be a, a whole off season thing, right? Like it's not going to end. It's when just so the, hard to project like, yeah. where this team is at right now yeah. like, for next year. Yeah. It, it, like for Morelia, yeah, it's not, it's not going to end when the Dominican winter league ends. Like it's going to go the rest of the off season. It's going to go when he, goes back to Mesa and it starts to pick things up. It's going to go through spring training. It may even go into the season, right? Trying to yeah. keep continue that development. Because as you said, the Cubs haven't made any moves. Like we don't know what this roster is going to look like on opening day right now, because there are other holes to plug and, and fill. So but yeah, back, back to the original point, like morale's getting some work at first base is a, it is a new position for him. He didn't play first base in the minor leagues. So it's not a surprise that, the Dominican Winter League team is not throwing him in at first base every game, but to get him just work defensively anywhere, any position that he could fill for the Cubs, that's a good thing. And so, um, yeah, that, that's that's just going to be something that goes for the rest of his time in the Winter League, the rest of his time uh, this offseason and, and into spring training. And to prove that, you know, he's made real strides in either at either of those positions, made real strides that the Cubs, that show the Cubs can trust him to perform at that even even average defensively i think they would take that at third base it, yeah. or first base wherever, wherever it is i think they would take that because of the potential he has for the bat yeah anything else from carter that jumped out at you you were there with all the beat reporters when he came down he, he talked he spoke you know at one point he's talking to a camera and then he's he separates he talks a little bit with just the beat writers and obviously he was he was pretty uh bland when you come to and, and i don't blame him for it but he was basically like yes we're actively trying to improve the roster okay yeah good yeah so i mean they, they got to get some they got some fires going right now i understand that and he's not going to tell us what the fires are there's no there's no reward in that um anything else outside of that that jumped out at you yeah i think one thing we've continued to kind of just kind of question as the coaching staff and you know Craig Council at his intro press conference talked about wanting to be slow with those slow and deliberate with those uh, decisions and not rush through that process as quickly as he kind of went through the the hiring process mm -hmm. um but talking to Carter Hawkins today um asking about the coaching staff he uh said that they're pretty close to having it filled out um but believes for the most part you know coaches that have not taken jobs anywhere else. So Andy Green going to New York in the front office or like Johnny Washington going to the Angels, like outside of uh, things we've heard of, of guys taking other jobs, he believes m m for the most part, the guys that are already, uh, the coaches that are already on the coaching staff will return. So that, you know, should mean Tommy Hadovy remains as pitching coach and Dustin Kelly uh, remains as hitting coach. You know, Willie Harris at third base, like the, the coaching staff that we've seen should, um, be relatively similar to what we saw last year, um, except for the guys that we've, we've heard take other jobs. So, yeah. uh, and another point on that is I, I think when you look at, well, Tommy Hadovy obviously is a, is a really good pitching coach. He's been with his organization for a while. He's lasted through now three managers, <laughs> as long as he does remain the pitching coach for Craig Council. So that's, they obviously have a lot of respect for him there. So to have that kind of continuity, is big, but also on the hitting side, the amount of hitting coaches they've gone through in the last decade-ish, um, to just have a guy that, you know, got some solid 
like overall solid offensive production out of that lineup um, and, and, and did some things, maybe taught some different things or whatever Dustin Kelly did behind the scenes um, that it was a solid offensive lineup. It wasn't always high, but it wasn't always low either. So um, to have just some continuity with the players um, and to have the same hitting coach after years and years of just recycling hitting coaches, I think that just having continuity um, is good for a team looking to build off of what they were able to do last year, which was building off the year before, or yeah. at least the second half before. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, Hadavi, Dustin Kelly, as long as they're doing their thing, man, wherever they're, as long as they're in the organization, I don't, I don't even, you want to move Hadavi to Craig Breslow's spot? Eh, I don't care. Like as long as he's in the organization. We don't see what they do day to day anyways. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, Plus he's been on our show, so I got nothing negative to ever say. And he wears Jordans. Yeah. Does sure really nice ones? Sold my Jordans. Yeah, they all wear really nice. They do. They do. The, the shoe game for the Cubs has yeah. always been elite. So, you know, credit to them. Did you know that it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles? That's something we can all get behind from the health for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. Yeah, the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So, Cody, what should business owners do? Well, they should go to ComEd.com, Luke, slash ComEd.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait, Luke. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Yeah, go now and see how going electric connects us to be a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Here, here. There you go. For the first time reading that, we did very well. Credit to us. You know what else? It's humble too. You know what else deserves credit? Me, because I won well over four hundred bucks on the books this past weekend. <laughs> all right. You too can do that at Circa Sportsbook. You know why? Because they have tight money line splits. And that's one of my favorite parts about Circa Sportsbook. Games will strive to be a minus one ten split on the Circa Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use a minus one fifteen or minus one twenty split. Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books. Another good thing that I love is their high app limits and transparency. Circus Sports does not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. They encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available so they can not only compare the lines, but also see if those books are limiting them because they're really good at sports betting and they want to take your money. Uh, and then finally, the uh, Circus Sports cu customer service is second to none. There are real people behind the Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use chatbots, which are the worst thing that has ever existed in our world. Chatbots, all right? All aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sports book at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Sp Circa Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois dash app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties and tailgates. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, text GAMB to 
888-338-2334 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Well, the Brewers think they are winning. Uh, That's another like they did. They did too much today. Well, this is a, a division rival. You know, we, we've talked about it. They're going to keep their stadium. Big move. They lost their manager. Big move. Um, and now they've taken one of the top prospects in all of baseball. And they gave Jackson Churio eight years. He was here today, right here in Nashville, right at the Opryland Hotel here, just like we are at the baseball winter meetings, and have reportedly signed him to an eight-year, $82 million deal. The biggest contract ever to a player that hasn't made their major league debut even yet. Even is a bigger deal than what Luis Robert. It's got. not like it's not Crazy. like he had a, a call up and then you know Pete Crow Armstrong. It'd be like yeah. you've seen more of Pete Crow Armstrong yeah. than you have of this guy. They gave him eight for 82 million. So my question is, are we gonna is this trend gonna continue? Because I think it's it's an interesting one. Herb and I were talking about it on the on the Chicago sports podcast and we're saying he was mad at the agent for letting him take it. And I said, well, the flip side is he becomes Brendan Davis and he has yeah. some injuries and the guy's got no money you can in, be this game, in, a way. in this. Well, and that may be like many people or believe he, the Mancata thing is an attitude deal. Right. Like he got the money and he and, stopped working. Well, and also he, you know, he played a year or two in the league yeah. before he got it, but he was still very, very young when he got that deal. I just see the benefit on both sides of this, right? Like, at least to offer this out to players. It's a danger to the team because they might end up giving $82 million to a kid that just never quite gets it at the major league level, even though they sure. think he will. And it's a danger to him because he might very easily make $400 million instead of the eighty-five in that period of time. But $82 million is a pretty nice guarantee. Yeah, I think it's it's a balance of what the player like. Does he want to bet on himself and play through our play six years? Right? Does he want to? Most go athletes do, right? Yeah. But like he well, might have a different background, and it sounds like he does. Yeah, or it's like you know, want some something a, guaranteed? Yeah, guaranteed. Like I'm, I, I, like eighty-two million dollars. I'm going to be rich, right? Like that's how I would look at <laughs> it's it. Still at a least. lot of like, money. Eighty-two million. <laughs> Kyle Hendricks could have made more money. Yeah, could I? Yeah. Could I potentially earn more money in six years after? You know, going through three years of pre-arb and three years of arbitration, hitting free. Could I potentially? Sure. Or mm. can I do, you know, buy out, depending on when he would make his debut, buy out six of those years and make, eighty, you know, $82 million of it and then maybe go to free agency. Like, because he's, what, 19 years old? So he's still going to be prime after the eight years. I I think it's just, and this is for any player, it's just a balance of who, how do you view yourself? Do you think, do you, are you willing to, bet on yourself to go years down the road and make it a lot more money? Or are you willing to take what Milwaukee or whoever it is is offering you a very large sum of money anyway um, and, and have that guaranteed? It's just curious, though, because you have the same situation. You have the Cubs farm system now top five in all of baseball, and you think to yourself, all right, Lance just told us that um, Kate Horton's top three pitching prospect mm -hmm. in all of baseball. Do they do it with Kate Horton? So if you're a Cubs fan? Do you want the Cubs right now to go to Kate Horton and say, hey, man, we'll give you, you know, it doesn't matter what the number is, eight for 82. What if we give you that deal? Kate, would you take it now so we don't have to worry about you becoming this big? Would you want that as? I, I don't know how I feel about it, this, but I don't hate it for the player, the option to be there and okay. take the money. 82 million is going to change your 
I'll, entire family for generations. I'll give you a perspective from the fan, just looking at who cares about the team's success more than, you know, the players, you know, whatever's going on with like his upbringing, whatever yeah. life changing money. Right. To me, you know, we, we talk about giving these, these free agents um, that we've been talking about all off season, all this money, whether it's Otani, Bellinger, whoever, you know, I've been, everyone also obviously knows that I'm all in on showing Otani. Well, he also has, has having a second Tommy John. He's 30 years old. And like history shows that in Major League Baseball, though, like those contracts usually do not age well over time. You know what I mean? You're hoping that the first four or five years are the, are the winning window for your organization to win a World Series or something like that in that in which then you can you know in those back years you can just deal with all that money that he's probably going to get paid well overpaid i hope that doesn't happen because i think Shohei otani is the greatest baseball player that we will ever see unless all these two-way players start coming out of the woodwork because everyone wants to be like him or something like that whatever so i think it is to bring it back around i think it's just a a much more fine a, a much more better risk on some of these guys, top prospects, eighty-two million dollars over eight years—like that's barely over that, ten million. Yeah, yeah, it's well, like, know. and you know what baseball salaries are going to do in the next eight years? Like, they're, right. like that ten yeah. million is going right. to look like so million, and, whatever it is. And, and so it's like, okay, yeah, he hasn't proved anything yet, right? And yeah, maybe in year one he struggles or whatever. He goes through the ups and downs of being a rookie, but you know, I, I'm much more willing to go through that. You know, just from a from a fan standpoint and how those guys get better is when you put better players around them. Mm -hmm. So it's the brewers. So like, I think that they're like, if it doesn't go well for them, I think it's just because they're not putting better players around him to take pressure off him, to live up to some sort of heightened expectations, which are high because he's going into next year as one of the top prospects in baseball, you know, like, I think it's a lot different given and I think it's a lot it can go a lot different in certain situations. Yeah, and I don't want to compare it to the date David Bodie contract because like well that was fifteen million dollars. Different players, right? But like, you know, you say here, I I I forgot exactly what they're paying David Bodie this season. Um but it's still like, oh, you know, making like five million or something. Like oh, that. yeah. I mean that was a that was a small gamble. Does this, yeah. but it, 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 I'm, I'm saying in a way, yes, the, the Cubs gamble, they gave him a little extra money maybe uh up front to buy out some of those years or whatever now he's not on the 40 man you're like well that's like four or five million that's just sitting there doing nothing right but it's also four or five million now i'm talking about with this guy um six years from now right if um he's just not lived up to that contract again it's just over 10 million six years from now that 10 million is going to look smaller than um what it looks like now so it's not like it's a a break the bank type move you know it's not like it's going to be like david bodie and i guess it might it may be a little bit different just based on the market size but like david bodie's money on the books doesn't is, is it shouldn't absolutely not be um a reason for the cubs not to spend more money right like, uh, and, and you know a contract like that it's a it's a hefty sum for a kid that's never played a major league game before i just um, think it's a it, very but, but if it doesn't work out like it also shouldn't it shouldn't be too much to stop a team even the brewers from spending more money yeah i just think it's a very you know a, a, a very good calculated risk like it don't you call this a futures bet 
Yeah, yeah, like, futures bet. You're putting a future, you like you're putting bet. a futures bet, or the Brewers are putting a futures bet on this guy, and yeah. I hope it fails miserably. But as far as like the Cubs doing shit like this, yeah, I would love to see them. Like if it's not Kate Horton, if if it's uh, you know someone else that maybe would not. I don't know. I'm just. I, I, <laughs> that's another podcast. Yeah, that's well, we can we get weeks after this thing. And I know I I I pause there, like I'm like down on PCA, but I'm not. I'm just. I'm just so. I, I want all this money that we've been talking about for the last month to go towards making this team better, and giving PCA a bunch of money right now just doesn't sound like something that's gonna make the team better. All right, so that's why I pause, but. I would like the Cubs to be to do something like this down the road. If the Cubs do something that improves the team tonight, we will have another emergency podcast live from Nashville. We are the last oh, yeah. people standing. They're literally bringing the food and pushing it back and cleaning the kitchen to our side. Uh, <laughs> you're you're wondering how did we get into this place? How did you guys get into the baseball winter meetings? We're all wearing credentials, right? You're looking at it like we got the nice fancy setup. We're the, all the big wigs are right there, right? Well, we threw down the diehard card. Yeah. This point, real That's simple. how I got it. Let's so we threw down the CHGO diehard card. You could have one too. Uh, listen, you get our post game shows, you get our podcast every day. Diehard card gets you all of Ryan's premium written content for members at all chgo.com. Look at there's two like of them right there. right there. Threw Boom. it down. Uh, 20% off events. You get dope merch for all of our teams, and that comes at a 20% discount. Uh, you get a free shirt when you become a member. Members only Discord included. That is the CHGO Lounge. And if you think we aren't going to take that to a few honky-tonks while we're here and put it down on a table, we're going to try it. So that's <laughs> worth watching for, too. Uh, hopefully, Shohei News tomorrow. If not, maybe it's Yamamoto. Maybe it's Glass now. Maybe it's, I don't know. We're going to find out. But we're going to be here for it. We're, uh, what do we have here? Eight people? Yeah, eight people. Eight people. Squad here. We're running at the winter big. meetings. We're running, We're running big. Rolling deep. CHGO at NASH. And we will be here again tomorrow. Seven o'clock will be the showtime planned. Again, if something breaks, we will be here right we'll after that. Thanks for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast. Thanks to Lance Brozdowski. Uh, back here again tomorrow. Thanks to everybody in the live chat. And remember, until then, thanks for watching and fly the W. <laughs> Y'all silly like the mayor.